0: Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now's the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the light bulb moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck.
1: Branding is everything. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how you can create a brand that resonates with your audience. Hi, welcome to IDA, where we address how you can ideate, decide, act on the business topics we talk about in each episode and apply them to your own startup. My name is Kenika Pinel.
0: And I'm Verika Pinel. We're the founders of IDA, ideate, decide, act. At IDA, we connect female founders to investors, one-on-one mentoring and resources to help grow their business.
1: In today's episode, we have Tara Eggensbiller, founder and designer of Angela Mariah Handbags, and we will be discussing how to create a strong brand and maintain authenticity within your brand identity. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thanks for being here.
2: Hi, Farika. Hi, Kanika. Nice to be on, and thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: of course. And Tara, so, you know, you designed all the bags yourself and started this company from home, which is so amazing. And I'm sure everyone would love to know more about how you came to start the handbag
2: line and your story. Okay, sure. So I had always loved fashion and been really into the idea of developing some kind of product, not necessarily fashion, while I was in school, like in college. But Mm -hmm. I really wasn't sure how to get there. So I chose to be an accountant. I just went to school for accountant, accounting, because it seemed like a safe option. I could see exactly how I would have a job afterwards. And although I didn't feel passionate about it or really love it, I knew that it was something that I could get a job with immediately. So I pictured myself really loving this field of accounting. But once I got to my job in Chicago, I kept having this sort of creative nudge. And so I would be at work all day and then I would come home and feel like, frustrated because I didn't have a creative outlet Mm -hmm. doing what I had always envisioned myself doing. So I started just different little ideas and like basically taking that idea of a minimum viable product and applying it to different um, like passion projects to see if anything would stick. And so, that's a great trend, yeah. yeah, I mean, so often, like in the tech world, you'll hear about developing the minimum viable product and testing the idea to see if it resonates with people. And I think that um, people who aren't really sure what kind of business to do can apply this same principle to different, you know, avenues. So I was into like fitness. So I took this class to learn how to be a fitness nutrition specialist and, and thought, okay, maybe I'll just go into like, different parts of Chicago and teach, um, like homeless people about healthy eating and like how they can implement little things in their daily life, even without a lot of resources. So I just kept trying different things. Um, but I, I really wasn't sold on anything. So one day after work, I just went into this fabric store on my break and, there were so many rolls of vegan leather and all these different fabrics, and I remembered back when I was a kid and I used to spend hours sewing or trying to by hand. I didn't do a good job, and so I um, decided because I was I loved handbags. Like I think that as like a young person, there's sort of a rite of passage to get like a really nice handbag. Yeah. You know, like um, for a long time, I just carried these little um, canvas totes. And then at some point, you buy yourself a nice bag, and you're like, "Okay, I'm an adult now." So <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought I would um, try to sew a bag, which sounded like a it wouldn't be that hard to figure out, but it was very difficult, and I didn't get very far. But I I did make this sort of clutch, and. I cut it with this very sharp angle and in the middle, it was probably like midnight and I had to go to work the next day. And I was like, this looks like a bird's beak, like this sharp angle. And so then I was thinking, I'm going to make a whole line of bags inspired by birds. And they're going to be for the woman who's flying towards her dreams, you know, the woman taking flight. So that is where my business idea came from. And then from there, I think I just became extremely passionate and put all my time and energy into this idea. And that was that's awesome. I love that that story about like women flying towards <laughs> their dreams. <laughs> that's very cute. Thank you. Yeah, I it sounded like really good idea in my mind, like bird-inspired bags, but I think um that didn't necessarily resonate with people just saying it like that. I think people imagine something way different. So that is just sort of the subtle inspiration at this point
1: for sure and I think that's really important that like a really key point because you found like a niche in an oversaturated industry and market you know finding a creative way to differentiate your bags from other bags so I think that's awesome that you tied it to the message of you know a woman flying towards her dreams and I remember when we talked you were telling me you know the identity of Angela Mariah so if you could talk a little bit more about that we'd love to learn
2: Okay, sure. So like I said, I was working as a CPA. and I was feeling pretty creatively unfulfilled. And I would take these walks on my break and just sort of imagine what I would like to do every day and like what my life would look like if I were feeling really like uh, powerful and just embodying myself. And so I think it was just kind of on a whim, that I, but I was like, oh, I would obviously need a different name. And so that was the name I, I gave myself. And it was just a joke. It was just like, that would be my name. And I would work in this cool office. and I would be designing. And so I think it's just kind of one of those, like Sasha Fierce alter egos that you <laughs> put on and, and you're like, that's me. I'm that, and she's way more confident than me. She's way more like going to go after her her dreams than me and you can just try it on and act on it and so that's where that came from
1: that's pretty cool because you were wondering where that uh, that name came from it's totally different from yours
2: <laughs> well also my name's not as um attractive <laughs> my last name <laughs> to say Wait, your name's beautiful Tara, it
1: means like um stars in sanskrit
2: that's true the first name would have been good the last name maybe not so much <laughs>
1: No, i totally understand that because i always feel like my name is quite difficult for people to pronounce and to get with so i wish like my
2: name could be like much more cuter as well so
1: like i could you know it's easier to introduce and people to pronounce i totally i totally get get you on that
2: although i think both of you all have beautiful names so oh
1: thank you you got my name right the first time so that's that's new
2: yeah yeah. Uh, uh, harika
1: and guinea yeah (laughs) Um, I was gonna ask you. So, if, since it's a fashion brand, what would, what's some advice that you would give a female founder who is interested in starting a fashion startup?
2: Okay. Well, I think branding. Well, in you mean just in general?
1: Yeah, yeah, general and branding. I think cause it's like um a very like difficult thing. I think because you started at home, which is really impressive too. Um, trying to like position yourself in this um
2: industry. Yeah, it's a very saturated market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, advice I would give. I think that oftentimes people think you have to work, you have to either go to school for fashion or you have to work under a designer. And I think that would be very beneficial probably for a lot of people. But obviously we have the internet these days. You can Google almost anything. You can YouTube almost anything. And I would say my number one advice is to do research and never or don't feel, figure out a balance between feeling rushed to get a good product and also testing it because you can spend months and months developing a product and then no one, no one likes it. Or you can take all this time and never figure out how to sell because besides developing a product, so much is about, can you market it? Can you sell it? And if you can't do those things, you can have the best product in the world, but no one will buy it. So I think doing a lot of research and getting learning as much as you can about the design process though because there's a lot that goes into it
1: okay that's a great tip and um two of the things that you said you know really um stuck with me so first you said um testing it right so what are some of the ways that you tested um this handbag line and then you also mentioned like learning how to sell and market because even if you have a beautiful bag, if you can't sell it, then you're not going to you know, get off
2: the ground. Yeah. So as far as testing goes, like I said, I wanted to develop a line of bags inspired by birds. So what does that mean? Well, it meant that they would have this very distinctive triangular clasp that was supposed to resemble a beak. So I started sketching out all the different ideas I could think of of how, a different, how bags could incorporate this beak clasp. So once I sketched all these out, some things I did were sending this, this page of sketched bags, to like every girl I knew on Facebook and like asking them, which one of these do you think is best? Like, which one of these would you actually wear if it was real? So getting some ideas from, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And then also asking like what are i I made like a quiz on survey monkey i'm sure you guys are familiar with survey monkey Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay and so like figuring out what do women look for in bags is it a unique design is it a certain like function do you need to be big or small and of course everyone's different but there are certain trends that will emerge that you can think okay well if i can only afford to produce three bags they should definitely have these things on them otherwise you know they may not Hit home with people, and so some of those things were like a lot of women, especially women who were like working, they want a bag that fits on your shoulder, not necessarily crossbody, but not um, a tote like, not like one of those top handle bags either. It's like the shoulder bag that perfectly fits under your shoulder. And so, at first, I never even realized that was something people wanted. But after doing research, I realized that's something I needed to include. And then also for the younger demographic, a crossbody should have a chain on the bottom part because women like to have this extra bit of bling, like younger women. So that was something I didn't think about until um, getting a lot of research done. And then, so testing in that way. And then the other way of testing is once you have a sample made. So like there's this whole process of finding a manufacturer and communicating to them what you want to have produced. So then once I had a sample, there's all this testing to see, is this product made well? So like, if I put it underwater, (laughs) will it, what what happens to the material? Or if I close it and open it 500 times, like, does this thing break? Because I actually got my little beak class beaks made. That was one of the most, difficult things to get made was the beak closure. So I got it made and it turned out once you opened and closed it like 10 or 15 times, it would break. So I had to um, get it remade in a different way. So like, if you don't test these things, you won't know how your product holds up. And I think that's true for anything, not necessarily fashion, but any physical product. Like you've got to stomp on it, throw it, ship it, put it in a box, see what it looks like when it arrives. Because if you're shipping things to people, like you need to know what it's going to look like when they get it. That's actually a really
1: good point. Yeah. I wouldn't think of like, you know, like I tried a few times, but like
2: 500 times the, you know, opening and closing it,
1: yeah, stress testing it. That's pretty cool. Because
2: mm-hmm. on average, somebody's probably going to open and close their bag that many times in the course yeah. of a year or less. You know, that that's a really good point because you not only went
1: through like, you know, creating a brand that, you know, that's personal to you, but also like functional to people. Like what would they like? What's good? What's bad? You know from everything from the clasp to the material. So you've done some testing in creating your brand as well. So that is you would say one of the things like actionable steps that founders to take starting a fashion brand is to like test out the market, see what they want as well, right? Like do some research.
2: Yeah. I think that often people with ideas struggle to know when to put their idea in front of people. Because on one hand, and I think people get very paranoid and they think people are gonna steal their idea. So they don't want to put their in the world. But on the other hand, um, if you don't, you, you can't really get an accurate picture of what people want. And I think maybe that's just an inherent risk that comes with putting a product out that you have to be willing to accept on some level. Like, hey, maybe I'm going to put this product out and nobody's going to want it. But you know what? You wouldn't know that unless you did it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that that's just part of the process. Um, that is yeah that's always a risk and that's just one of the risks I think you just have to manage and deal with as a someone starting any business or service or product but yes I would say that's definitely one of the steps is figure out a way to even if it's just a small group of people like I have a friend who started a shoe line and it's really cool it's just for women who are in construction and they're like these fashionable steel-toed boots but for women because they've had to just wear I don't know what they wore before but they weren't like, yeah, the ugly construction. <laughs> <group>. <laughs> yeah. So instead of like putting her idea out for everyone in the world to see, she found like a group of like 20 construction women to show it to. So I think that might be a safer way for, for people with a new product to test their idea.
1: Okay. So, like a focus group or like a small beta group? Correct. Yeah, exactly. A focus
2: group. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know,
1: um, so you did all the testing, you know, kind of before your launch, but then you know after launching you know putting your product out there you know you have this audience now what are some of the you know measurements or metrics you use to like figure out what's resonating with them and kind of ups and downs of your branding journey before you landed on your like you know final brand identity mm-hmm. cuz you know probably first guess you know it's hard to get yeah. it right
2: yeah, I would say, and I think it's constantly evolving, but it becomes more in focus over time. But I think I struggled in the beginning because I didn't know anything about branding, like coming from an accounting background, I had no idea why people purchase things, why people were interested in things. So I read a few books just about branding in general, about marketing in general, and basically uncovered the obvious, which is that people don't buy products. They buy experiences, they buy feelings, and they buy like, things that are valuable to them. So, for example, and if you don't have a good, solid brand, all you really have is a commodity. So, you can't, the reason you want one, you want a Chiquita banana over one without the Chiquita symbol is because there's brand on it. I'm just saying that because that's the most com- commodity. Product. No, that's a
1: great point Like you said, you have
2: a commodity. Yeah, yeah. or like a cutie's small little orange versus a regular <laughs> orange. Yeah. want that one. Why? Because it has a cute little brand with it. And so I discovered through like learning about brand archetypes that, you know, people bought certain feelings that either they wanted to identify with or that they needed in their life. So like somebody who is a business person who works in a big office, they either are, or they want to be someone who is known for having structure and Dependability. And so they're going to go for brands that embody that structure and dependability, like BMW or like some really nice watch brand, because they, they want to show that face to the world. And like somebody who values themselves as um, an adventurer and someone who's kind of rugged, they would probably prefer a Jeep because a Jeep car shows that particular side of themselves to the world. And so learning about all these things, the next step, like, so I would suggest anybody starting a brand to really learn about archetypes for one and figure out which archetype, like which feeling they want to have their brand give the world. So I guess the next step for me was figuring out which one I wanted to give to the world. And so I think when you have a service-based product, you can very easily just go by what your personality is. But I think when you have a product, there's not always it's not always the same. So like your product may be something that has nothing to do with you personality wise. So therefore you'd have to figure out a good archetype for your product to embody. So as a purse brand and most or many fashion brands are embodiments of like the lover archetype. So Know, like Victoria's Secret or um, Chanel, they all kind of inspire this feeling of romance, of allure, of mystery, you know, in the person who's buying it. And that's why they, that's why people go for those brands, because they want to project that to the world. And so, you know, I think that I finally, um, mine was not that it was more of like this independent feminine spirit, which is like the woman who's on, you know, on her own pursuing her dreams, you know, like being being her best self. And so that's, that's its own archetype, like this huntress, this independent female. And so then the next step beyond that is to figure out, okay, wow, I know what I want to give the world, but how am I going to possibly make, like show that through images and words and imagery, like figuring out how to actually demonstrate what you're wanting to say in actuality. And that's like a whole nother process in itself. And I think that's where you have to find your graphic designers, your photographers, <laughs> photographers you know, your skilled creative directors, because they're the people that can um, really bring forth your idea. But if you don't have a solid idea first, it will be hard to communicate with those people. Is that it? I don't know if any of that made sense.
1: No, that definitely makes sense because one of the things that we learned in business school or just in general outside talking to a lot of people, you know, learning about these big brands like Nike and everything is it's not, you know, it's not just about the product, but how you make your customer feel that they remember right even if you're like talking to a person they remember how you made them feel a lot more than what you guys talked about The need to details so i think that's a great point what you made is i think a takeaway point from this episode i would definitely say is what do you want your customer to feel from your brand and your yours definitely embodies that confident go-getting women and i checked out your website They're beautiful handbags they're very like bossy you know I want to go to office I want to own this if they're very structured they're for that confident woman I would definitely say so
2: yeah I like what you said like about learning in business school and Nike like what you want to your customer to feel and also like what you think your customer wants to project to the world yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and
1: um, I think that's great that you mentioned about archetypes like even like the contrast between the hunter huntress and the lover um, and, if, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Are you able to remember the name of the book? Um,
2: if you want to yeah, body, I you? can look it up right now. And there's several. And there's and I was going to say that at the end of some resources I had. Um, yeah, <laughs> they will change your life if you have any kind of product. Even if you just have a service that you want to have a strong, that you want to strongly resonate with people. I feel like an archetype is just a no brainer.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. Because um, I never thought about it like as archetypes. Because, um, you know, like we know the brands like the big brands like I think a lot of startups or you know just people who are wanting to start a business think that you need to have um, once you get to that big brand level is when you really define the brand personality but you can start doing that even at a smaller scale like you said with the archetypes embedded into the culture of your brand from the very
2: yeah beginning. and I think it's important to try to do it as much as you can as a solo or a couple people because if when you do grow you're gonna want to have something to fall back on and you're gonna have some experience to say, hey, we tried that, it didn't work, or that that was good. So the book is called The Hero and the Outlaw. It's by Margaret Mart, And from this book, I think a lot of branding courses and branding gurus, if you will, are based. <laughs> because it's like the- Bible That's of awesome, thank you for sharing. Branding,
1: yes. <laughs> That's super great. Um, and we'll definitely uh, make sure to let everyone know about this book and check it out ourselves as well. And you also mentioned some other resources of yours, um, just if you had any, or tips and tricks,
2: Just for for someone who's not sure what kind of business to pursue, of course, I would recommend the minimum viable product approach. So like any idea that seems like a good one, just do it for a week, do it for two weeks and go all out with it. And it'll either stick or maybe it won't. There's this other book called, um, I believe it's so good, they can't ignore you. And the whole idea of this book is once you commit to something, that's where passion comes from. Passion generally does not precede. The thing. So it's like people who are involved in science for years and years and years. Oh, wow. 20 years later, they're like extremely passionate about it, but that's because they've gotten good at it. So that's another thing.
1: That's super powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Passion doesn't, yeah,
2: exactly. Like I really thought, and so sometimes I'm worried, like, oh my gosh, what if I had stuck with accounting for a long time? Do you think that I would have become? It eventually, but I think that there is an exception and certain things just aren't right for your personality period. Yeah. That's one of those things for me, but for getting like tips for people who are looking to brand, like either their product or their service. So I would say, of course, think about yourself, take some of the quizzes that are available online about archetypes, figure out if any of those are you, if you're a service-based business, it's it's likely that you can just go ahead and use that one. So like, maybe you want people to feel Um, pure and like they're innocent, I don't know. That would be the caregiver archetype. And so therefore you can like incorporate white, light blue, you know, fun fonts, butterflies, you know, things that are very innocent into your brand. Um, But if you have a product, then of course, like we mentioned, think about what you want people to feel or what you want, what they want to project. And then I would say, because um, I've had to do, so like something with fashion is there's constantly the need to do photo shoots and like to get, especially with Instagram, you know, it's like this constant need to put out content in photos that accurately represent your brand. And in the beginning, that was a big struggle for me because I wasn't sure what kind of models to pick, what kind of outfits they should wear, should we pick these photos? And so, I think I chose like the completely wrong combination of those things, at least a few times. And if you're like trying to make your Instagram or your website look good, and you only have a certain number of photos to do that with, like if something doesn't fit, just get rid of it. Just figure out how to do more stuff. Because so often I would try to make things work, like try to make things fit in a way and they just weren't right. So there's always more opportunity to create Don't feel like you're tied into something and also never be married to an idea. You know, like there's so many things that I wanted to, to like app ideas or like little projects and you just have to not be married to anything too much because the world is constantly changing and you could always have a better idea around the corner. You never know.
1: That is so true, Um, and one of the things that you just mentioned that I want to point out, and I don't know exactly where I read it, but I read it somewhere that they talked about everybody wants to be somewhere, and they're trying to get there, right? Whether it's a feeling or a position, and that's what you're trying to sell is a promise of getting them there, right? So whether it's confidence or if it's um, being, you know, in service industry, making them feel safe and that you got them, it's that. It's that path that you're selling is from where you are, where you want to be, is what you're trying to sell your customer. So for your audience, I guess, try to figure out what is your audience trying to feel, Where are they mm-hmm. trying to get? And from there, you can get a lot about how to brand and stuff. And you clearly done that because I was looking at your website and all, all the women are dressed like, you know, they're going to work and they're go-getters.
2: And you can really see that that's who you're trying to mm-hmm. sell to. You. Yeah, I like what you're saying about people kind of buying into this place they want to be and yeah there's been certain like online courses I've purchased before and then when I really take a look at it I'm like well what am I really purchasing here like I'm purchasing this feeling of progress like this idea that I'm making progress and it's like I don't know if I'm actually going to make progress or not that's what you're you're buying or this feeling of hope yeah some people do a great job at that especially in the online course space.
1: I love that you said that because I think we've all been there where we like sign up for things and we want to feel like, wow, we're making progress, we're learning, we're gaining a new skill, and then you just never end up finishing it. But you wanted the feeling. Yeah, definitely. It. Yeah. And um, I actually, because we were talking about branding and stuff, I wanted to point out to listeners, a really great book about branding as well um, is Building a Story Brand by Don Miller. And, you know, it talks about how to get your messaging right to your customers So you're building a story through your brand and not, again, like Tara, you were saying, not just a commodity. You're building a story. It represents something, you know, um, it represents something for your customer. But yeah, those were all really great insights. And thank you so much for sharing, Kara. Um, it was really great having you on the show. Dear. Yeah. Thank
2: you, Kanika and Verika, for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And everyone check out her handbags at AngelaMariah.com. They're really, really beautiful.
0: And, you know, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a fellow entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Ida, and you can find us at thinkida.com. Until next time, ideate, decide,
2: act.